Guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm in the book of Colossians. We're going to read uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 17, and then we're going to get back to the verse we're focusing on this morning, which is verse 12, okay? So we're going to read 1 through 17, then we're going to focus in on verse 12. And the Word of God says this, So, so if you have been raised with Christ... Right? Remember Ephesians 4, you've been raised up and seated with Christ. So I just want you to see the connections here. So in Colossians, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Because of those things, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all of the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. It seems like we just talked about those things, right? We just studied those things in the book of Ephesians. So he goes on, again, what we just studied. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self. You are, not, uh, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all, therefore... As God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, um, to which you were also called, in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May God bless the reading of his word. So, uh, Paul says the same things to uh, the church in Colossae that he does to the church in Ephesus, right? He writes him and says, hey, this is what Christ has done for you. You were old, but now you're new. And now because of your new, here, because you're new, here's what you got to do, right? You've got to put off that old way of life. You've got to put off those old thoughts. You've got to put off those old, uh, those old habits. I, for one, am, am so thankful that Paul writes these letters, right? Did you notice that he writes people in the church... And and reminds them that they still have to put to death the things of their flesh. You, you notice that? I mean, he's, he's like, hey, by the way, uh, you need to kill. You need to kill uh, uh, sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil. And you know what, church? We still got to do those things, right? And so it's just comforting to me that, that Paul writes this truth to us. And he goes, hey, you're going to struggle with these things, church. You're going to struggle, so here's what you got to do. you got to put to death all the old stuff. You have to throw off all those old ways of life, all those old habits. You need to be renewed in your mind, and then you need to start putting on these positive elements of Christ. And the first thing Paul tells us to put on here in Colossians is he says, you need to put on compassion. Put on compassion. That's the first thing on the list. Now, that word literally uh, means to be moved in the depths of who we are by mercy for others. Okay, compassion, to be moved 
and the depths of who we are by mercy for other people. And, and, and in fact, the word literally would translate the bowels of mercy. If you, you go, when, well, Pastor, why are you saying in the depths? Because that's what the Greeks saw, all the seed of emotions was, it wasn't your heart, it wasn't just up here, fluttery, fluttery. It was in the depths of who you are, you really felt conviction about things. He said, in the depths of who you are, in the very basis of your being, the first thing you should do is you should have mercy for other people, right? Like that's, that's kind of step one. And so then my question is, well, why is that? Why is that first on the list? And so I have, um, uh, whew, um, I have five things to share with you. And it is 1129 and 35, 36, 37. Michael, that's distracting. I don't know where you are. I just watched the numbers. Uh, they put a clock in the back so I would know. Uh, you guys don't look up there. That is not for you. That is only for me. If you guys look up there, then we're going longer, okay? That's how that's going to go. I will, you test me in this and see if I don't preach longer. Uh, and so, so uh, five things to share very quickly uh, about this thing called compassion. Here's the first thing I want you to know, guys, is that we must put on compassion because people are hurting, hindered, and helpless, right? We have to put on compassion because people are hurting, hindered, and helpless. And this week I did something kind of crazy. I read my Bible, and uh, in it, over and over, I was looking specifically for verses where it said that Jesus was moved with compassion, and they're everywhere. They, they, the, the text in the New Testament is littered with stories of Jesus being moved with compassion. And sometimes he's moved with compassion because of somebody's hurt, because of their loss, right? I think about Mary and Martha and Jesus shows up and their brother has died. And Jesus is moved with compassion. There's a widow um, from Nain. There's a funeral procession and her only son has died. Her husband has already died. And Jesus, he's not even, like that's not why he's there. He's just going through, and he sees this mom who's lost her only child, and he's moved with compassion. He stops the funeral, lay his hands on the coffin, basically says, boy, get up and return to your mom, because he hurts when we hurt. I got, I got a, a text yesterday, David Smith, the head of our awesome Baptist Association, one of my good friends, he's such an encouragement to me. His mom passed away last night from cancer, right? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at friends right here, and, and, and I just, like, God hurts when we hurt. And he hurts when we, when we suffer loss. And I want you to know that it moves the very heart of God. And, and that's one of the reasons God looks to us and says, Hey, you better be moved when people lose, when they hurt, when they suffer. Because Jesus was, right? But, but he wasn't just moved when people were hurting or they suffered great loss. He's also moved when they're hindered. Can we be honest? There's a lot of things in life that hold people back. And some of those things are, are, are mistakes. Some of those things are disabilities even. Um, I, I think about the New Testament, for instance. Like, like, like Jesus comes across a guy in Mark chapter 1 that's a leper. He's a, he's a social outcast. This guy's contracted a disease, uh, had nothing to do with, with, with what he had done. Um, he, he lost, by the way, we know what leprosy is now. You lose sensation in, in your extremities and then you nick those things and you never feel that they're hurt and then they get infected and they rot off. And, and so uh, they didn't see it that way. They didn't understand it. They thought it was a highly contagious, contractable kind of thing. And, and so if you were a leper, you were kicked out of your home. You had to say goodbye to your family. You, you were, were shunned to, to some place 
this other. You had to walk on the other side of the road from people. If anybody came near you, you had to put your face down and cry out unclean. Sometimes they hung a bell around your neck. And so Jesus comes across a guy like that in Mark chapter 1. And do you know what the scripture says? It says he, he had compassion on him. And he, and, he, and he goes to the man and he touches him. We'll talk about that in a second, right? And Matthew chapter 20, it's two blind men. And there's a crowd and people are following Jesus. And they're chanting his name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And two blind men are screaming, Jesus, we're here, heal us. And the crowd's like, shut up. It's not about you. And Jesus goes, wait, hold up. What did you say? Come here, man. Come to me. And he invites these men to him. He has compassion. He invites them to him. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And they, they cry, we, we want to see. And the Bible says, Jesus moved with compassion, touched their eyes, and they could see. Because God hurts when he hurts, and he sees when we're struggling, and he loves us, right? And, and then we find this several times in the Bible, where it says something like this. When, when he saw the crowds, he felt, what, compassion for them, because They were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. It's another way to say they were helpless. And guys, this has to be at the forefront of our minds. Ready? What I'm about to say needs to be at the forefront of our minds. Ready? Everyone has a story. It has to become, that has to be the way that we start viewing the world. Every single person that you come into contact with, that I come, everyone has a story. And that story involves hurt, and it involves suffering, and it involves pain. Every single person that you see in our world has tried to callous us to that fact. It's tried to make us put people in categories. We have prejudgments. We fill in the blanks. We make up our own stories so we can feel good about, about not caring about others. But the truth of God's word is that we are all made in his image. We live in a fallen world and we all suffer. We suffer loss and we suffer hurt and we suffer isolation. And I just want you to know that the Bible says that God cares about that. Therefore, we have to care about that too, right? That's the first thing. He says, put on compassion, right? We have to put on compassion because we live in a world where people are hurting They're hindered and they're helpless. Secondly, I would say this, guys, we have to put on compassion, frankly, um, because it's commanded. Because it's commanded. That means if we don't, we're sinning. Just help you out there in case you're struggling with, well, is this, do I really need to worry about this? Like if you don't, if it's commanded, you know what you're to do and you don't do it. It's a sin, the Bible says. So it's actually commanded. And you say, where is it commanded? Well, in verse 12, uh, therefore his God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, says put on compassion. In the Greek, it's imperative. That's a command, right? But, but this isn't the only place it's commanded. I don't want you to think, well, that's Paul. That's not Jesus. So let's look at what, does Jesus command this? And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter Chapter 10. Uh, this is one of Jesus' most favorite, uh, most favorite parables. Luke chapter 10. And, and we're going to camp here so for a good time. If you want to, uh, don't be afraid of losing your place there in Colossians. Uh, Luke chapter 10. I, I'm going to start in verse 25. And I just kind of want to read through 37. And, and we'll talk about this uh, a little bit. And uh, here's what the word of God says. Um, it says, then an expert in the law stood up to test uh, Jesus saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus replies, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, uh, Jesus, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus told him. Do this and you'll live. But wanting to justify himself, the man asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
Right? And, and who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and he said, ready? Here's the parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, okay, the Jews would have interpreted that as, as a second-class citizen, even as a, as a dog. Uh, a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. That's our word. He had compassion. He went over to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. And then he put him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn. He took care of him. The next day, he, he, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the man replied to Jesus, the one who showed mercy to him. And Jesus told him, here's the command, go and do the same. It's two verses that stand out here. Verse 33, uh, it says, the man, the Samaritan came to him, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He had compassion. And and then when, when Jesus says, well, who do you think was a neighbor? The man rightly answers, well, it was the Samaritan one. And so Jesus says to him, then go, that's a command, and do the same. And where does all this begin? It begins with a question about another command, right? Lord, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what does scripture say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and then the man says, who's my neighbor? Jesus is going, here's the basic command. Love people. You've got to have compassion for people. It's commanded, right? I want to camp here for a second uh, on the next two points, just in this story of the Good Samaritan. I want you to see a couple more things. That third point for this morning's sermon, guys, is that real compassion is costly. Right? The real compassion is is costly. And so uh, I I want you to kind of walk through, just kind of uh, just track with me a little bit this morning. So, so the Samaritan, unlike the priest and the Levite. Now, the priest and the Levite, man, they just keep going about their day, right? right? Probably like uh, most of us. I'm not trying to like guilt you. I just know as a Christian, uh, you know, I we I believe in the power of prayer is how I try to write it off. You know, you go about your day, just oh Lord bless them and keep them, and and then we're, you just kind of keep going. That's going on the other side of the road, right? So they go on the other side of the road, but the Samaritan uh, doesn't. The Samaritan crosses the street. He goes to this man, and and so the first thing he does is he stops what he's doing. He stops what he's doing. You know, some of the greatest miracles in all of Scripture happen when either Jesus or his disciples are headed somewhere. They've got a plan in mind. They think they know where they are headed, but then they see somebody, and the Scripture says they see them, and they stop, and they talk to them. Right? The man that's healed outside uh, of the gate, beautiful, for instance. Peter looks, he stops, and he looks at the man. Okay? And, and, and this is what we see over and over. The pattern of Jesus and his followers is that they stop. Right? And so the first thing I'm going to tell you that if, if you want to have compassion on people, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your time. I'm just telling you that, that we are, we're too busy. We're too packed. And we've kind of got, we're, we're laser focused, we say. And, and listen, the Bible is going to call you to jump outside of that 
to love people well, that you're going to have to once in a while put off what you think you need to do. It will cost you time to have compassion on others. Uh, secondly, he goes to the guy and he, he covers him uh, and he, he bandages him, right? It, it, it cost him cleanliness. This dude is naked and bloody. Okay, and, and so in, in our world, I don't know how many naked and bloody people you're going to come across, um, but you will come across dirty people. And I don't mean physically, I'm talking about sin and, and messiness and situations that are not easy and clear cut because the world is broken and we are fallen and people's lives are messy. And too many times as Christians, we don't want to get in the mess, but compassion calls us to get in the mess and to get our hands dirty, right? Uh, beyond that, uh, it, it cost him comfort, okay? He, he had to go up to a naked, bleeding stranger, you know what I'm saying? That's why we have nurses, right? They're good at this. Doctors, that's your job. No, it's our job. It's our job to get out of our comfort zone. And I'm, I'm just, again, I'm just going to tell you that, like, to have compassion on people uh, in life, you're, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to get uncomfortable. A third, I would say it cost him. Oh, by the way, we're talking about comfort. Then he puts the guy on his animal and he walks. That's probably uncomfortable too. Say, I don't even know how that would apply today. I don't ride a, a donkey. I don't know how to lose your vehicle. What if you sold that and you gave somebody a used car and you drove less of a car? So see that see now where you're like, oh, that's it's a whole nother ball game. Right? So 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 then it cost him it cost him money. He 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 takes the guy to an end. And he has to pay for a room. He stayed, we're still costing time. He stays overnight bandaging the guy, still pouring uh, oil and, and wine, all that kind of stuff. And then, and then he goes to the innkeeper and goes, hey, uh, let this cover the tab. And if it doesn't, I will come back and I will pay for the rest of it. Uh, American Christians, American church, this is our primary problem. I love you, but, but, but our, our problem is money. I mean, we are so consumed with money and whether or not we're going to have enough to retire. Right? Retirement? Do you, do you see that in the biblical text? Is that, is, that, is that in there? Did Moses retire? No, the dude went up on a mountain and died. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, listen, I, I know, but I don't know if I'm going to have enough money for health care. That's called dying. It happens. When we get older. Like, I don't, you, you don't have to be 120. Like, that was, that was Adam's job. Um, I, I don't have to be that, right? Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm serious, guys. We are a people that are obsessed with bigger barns. And, and we live in a world with very real hurts. And part of our problem is that we are so uh, consumed about what it will cost us and how that will affect us that we think we can't help others. We've convinced ourselves, well, somebody else will have to do that. Okay? So I, I'm just here to tell you this. So listen, it's huge. We've got to have compassion on people because everyone has a story. We've got to have compassion on people because it's commanded. And you need to know that this command that Jesus puts on us is a costly command. Okay, fourth thing I'll share with you. It's this, that compassion is best displayed up close. And we're still camping out kind of in the parable uh, here of the Good Samaritan. Uh, So compassion is best displayed up close. So uh, both a priest and a Levite... Pass by on the other side. Uh, and, and in my mind, I, I like to read the Bible with an active imagination. I imagine that they prayed for him as they walked by, because that's what good Christians would do, right? Oh, Lord, help them. I'm on my way, right? Just something short. 
But the text says the Samaritan crosses the street and he comes close. Right? He, he does the opposite. He, does, he doesn't stay on this far. He comes into the, 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 the messy part, into the embarrassing part, into the uncomfortable part. And what I want you to see is the reason why Jesus um, like, like exalts this kind of behavior. So this, is the, this is the guy that expresses true love for a neighbor. is because that's exactly how Jesus loved people. Right? In, in Mark chapter 1, uh, look, this is what it says about him and the leper. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him. He touched the unclean leper. Right? The guy that nobody else was touched. I, I wonder when I read Mark 1, when is the last time somebody touched this man? How long has he been out in, 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 in the wilderness, right? Roaming, uh, untouched, people afraid of him. And, and yet Jesus reaches, he, he embraces him. He says, I'm willing, and he touches him. The, the two men I mentioned in, in Matthew chapter 20, the two blind men, this is what it takes, move with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they could see, and, and they followed. And, and so the question I have, guys, is why? Why does Jesus reach out and touch us? And the answer is because compassion is best displayed up close to where we get the phrase up close and personal. Because the truth is that we all feel alone and isolated and dirty. And so Jesus comes and he steps into our dirt and he steps into our isolation and he touches us. And, and in that, he restores us and he reminds us that we are loved by him and by God. Which brings me to the last point. Ready? We are called to a ministry of compassion and reconciliation. We're called to a ministry of compassion and reconciliation. And so I, I almost didn't put this in there. And, and then I thought, you know what? It, it's, it's worth it. There's a difference between being commanded to do something and being called to do something. You say, what, what's that difference? Well, we're, we're all commanded to do this, but we're also all called to do this. And, and a calling means that God places something upon your life that is spiritual, that is uh, impactful, that he intends for you to do, that you cannot do on your own. And so he has to equip you for it. It, it became, becomes your, your purpose in life. And so God uh, does this, Jesus does this with us, is, is he lives out compassion before us, and then he calls all that follow him to do the same. And so if you've got your Bibles, I ask you to turn one more time uh, back to Matthew chapter 9. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, I'm, I'm just going to read three verses here, four verses. Um, so Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And uh, this is Jesus speaking again. Uh, this has to do with compassion. And so it says, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, right, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, that is, I know your Bible acts like that's where that story stops. It doesn't stop there. We keep reading. We are the ones that put chapter and verses in this thing. And so then keep reading says, summoning his twelve. Same conversation. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. And, and then it goes on to mention the names. And the point is this. 
Jesus had compassion on the crowds. He was healing them and, and, and loving them well. He had, he had great compassion. And he says, guys, the harvest is plentiful. We need to pray for workers. And then he goes, hey, you're the workers. So go and do what you've seen me do. Go and have compassion on others the way that I've had compassion on them. They are called to do it. And Jesus, by the way, tells the same group that's called, and you don't need anything extra to do this. You don't need an extra tunic or an extra pair of sandals. You don't need a sword in this case. You just need to go with with who you are. If you know me, you know my compassion. Now go and love people well. Okay? So it's something we're called to do. Now, what on earth do we do when we understand kind of the breadth of what Paul means when he says, okay, You're new, you're not who you used to be, so now you need to put on compassion every single day. What do we do? Because I'm just going to be honest, I ain't there right now. Anybody else? Come on, just me. This is the part of the sermon that got real quiet in the first service too, okay? Oh, it's going to get quieter, don't worry, don't worry. I got a little exercise for you here. So uh, I want to walk through the application and uh, three things I think we can do this week to really um, work on this, work on uh, taking this seriously, putting on this, this character trait of Christ. Uh, the, the first thing we have to do is we've got to start by examining our hearts. Now, I'm going to have some pictures I don't want you to show until I tell you to, okay? And so uh, that's going to be interesting. So uh, I want you to examine your heart. And, uh, and here's the question, because your heart is, is full of one of two things. And you go, no, it's, it's a mix. No, it's not really. Uh, it's, it's probably one of two things. So either our hearts are full of contempt for people, or they're full of compassion for people. And I don't really believe there's a middle ground. Okay? I, I love you. I know we, we like to think, well, there's a middle ground. I'm kind of halfway. No, I think if you've got contempt in your heart, you pretty much have contempt in your heart, right? Uh, and so where contempt breeds, uh, there's no room for compassion. And so I, I'm just going to say this to you. I, I, I think, so we've got to examine our hearts and, uh, and figure out, is my heart full of contempt or is my heart full of compassion? So here's what I'm going to do. We're still not showing these yet. I'm going to show you a series of pictures this morning because I want us to do a little exercise. Now, I have uh, picked these pictures on purpose. This is not some kind of political statement, but but rather these pictures are all meant to evoke a certain emotion in you, okay? And, and the raw emotion they evoke in you is the thing I want you to deal with, okay? And so, so as we're, we're thinking through kind of how I feel about these things, here's some questions we should be asking ourselves. Uh, do, do I wonder what this person's story is, or am I just filling in the blanks? Am I kind of making it up? Because one is, is compassion, the other is contempt, and, and, and which, which way am I? And, and so, uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw up some pictures here in a second, and so, uh, I, I just want you to know, um, kind of, kind of how this is gonna go. So here's what I want you to do. In your sermon notes, uh, there's a place for you to write down, there's some space there, uh, in the back, and so, um, I'm gonna throw up these pictures, and, and you can, if you're, if you're okay doing this in church with somebody next to you that could look over your shoulder, uh, you could honestly write these things down, or you can just remember them, and when you leave here, go into your closet, lock the door, and go, oh my gosh. Uh, and so, so here we go, uh, image number one, ready? Here we go. what I see. I look at that. I see a black man in prison. Do I think, yay, criminal justice? Do I think he probably deserves to be there? Right? You know, there's some studies that talk about drug use in America. And it's been proven that white people and black people use the same amount of drugs. Okay? Um, But, 
For some reason, black people uh, often seem to be locked up much longer for the same abuses, right? I mean, that, that's, just, that's a proven fact in the American judicial system right now, our correctional system, that that's the truth. And I wonder when you see this, do you ever think, I wonder what his backstory is? What kind of hurt and heartache did he grow up with? Right? Is that, is that even on the tip of your tongue at the, at the frontal cortex? Or is it just like, no, he probably deserves to be there. What, 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 what do you feel? Do you want to know somebody's story? Do you want to know the backstory? Is it contempt? Or is it compassion? Here's the second one. You guys are going to love this if you love the first one. Right? And we're pro-life. We believe in life and conception. So how do we feel when we see a young woman walking up to Planned Parenthood? You immediately just, anger comes up in you. Oh, dear. And you, all, the, all the stuff you heard on the news just comes out and it fills in all the blanks. Or do you think, I wonder what her story is. I wonder if she was sexually assaulted. I wonder what her childhood was like. I wonder what hardship she's endured that would take her to this place that she thinks this is the answer. See, do you fill in the blanks with anger and contempt? Or do you see a broken person that needs to be loved? It's a basic core of Christianity, right? The world will know that you are my disciples by what? This, this is interactive, this part. By your love. Third, third picture, these get better. What do you see? Like, this is a big deal in the Austin area, right? We're making national news, right? Because our mayor and our governor are clashing about what to do. Okay? They're calling Austin the new California in the way that we deal with homelessness. So what do you think? Are you enraged? Oh, these people are messing up our beautiful town. Gosh. You scared? Oh, these people, they're killing everybody. It's one crazy guy with a knife and then jumped off of But, I mean, what, what, when you see a picture, what do, what do you think? Or, or do you think, I wonder what his story is? I watched a documentary last night. This is what happens when my wife's not home. I watch documentaries. Um, there's a guy, Silicon Valley, was a programmer for like tech companies, like leading edge kind of stuff. And the stress was so great that he had to stay up longer to get his, to meet his deadlines. And so he started using methamphetamines, right? And the guy got addicted to crystal meth and he's homeless. I mean, he lost everything. Sleeps under a bridge, buys crystal meth at 10 bucks a pop. Smokes it every opportunity he can. He just cannot break loose. Every person we meet has a story of real hurt and real harm and real heartache. And it is too simplistic to assume how they got there. Okay? Last one. Texans love this one. What do you see? What we're told to see. We're told to see a whole bunch of people that are coming to steal our jobs. Okay? And again, this, I'm not talking about politics. You look at that picture, do any of those people honestly look like they're coming for your job? And again, I would just ask, what would cause someone 
to leave behind everything that they know, to travel for thousands of miles, risking the life of themselves and their children. What would cause that? Have you stopped to ask, or do you just see that person as an enemy? Because it's not about politics or who's in office. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about whether or not there should be a wall. Like, I, 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 none of that matters. What matters is, as a follower of Jesus, I should understand that everyone has a story. See, this week, I, uh, I, was, I was studying compassion. I was, I was looking out, and I was thinking these kind of thoughts. And I ran across a pastor from South Africa, uh, and, uh, and I, I kind of reached out to the guy because I was like, hey, I, I read this thing on your blog, and like, did you say this or did you steal it from somebody else? I want to make sure I quote it right. And he was like, no, I, I'm pretty sure I said that. And I was like, okay, cool. So uh, his name is Joshua Mack. He's a pastor in, in South Africa. And uh, he said, uh, a heart that does not break over the pain of others is a heart that is broken. A heart that doesn't break over the pain of others is a heart that's broken, right? And, and he goes on to talk about, um, can we show that first point I, I said here in application? He goes, he goes back to talk about this, this contempt or compassion thing, and, and he points to two places in the Bible. He points to the Pharisees and to the disciples. He says, so the Pharisees, right, were full of self-righteousness, and because they were self-righteous, that led to contempt, Right? That contempt for everybody else that couldn't live up to their standards. I think that's some of our problem when we say, hey, do we have contempt in our heart? Is there self-righteousness in my heart? Right? Okay. Uh, I, I think and nobody else can live up to my standards. Therefore, you know, whatever. They need to be like me. Uh, the, the other one, he, he points at the disciples. He says, what about selfish ambition? Right? Because James and John, their mom is like, hey, can they be on the right and the left? And these are the two guys that look at the Samaritans. are like, Jesus, let's kill them. Why don't you call down fire from heaven? Just eliminate that whole race there. Because selfish ambition will breed contempt as well. Right? So those two things. And so guys, I just start to, I think, first of all, we have to examine our hearts. Secondly, uh, and this is big, at some point we have to force ourselves to cross the street and to get close. Right? Compassion is always best displayed up close and personal. And so at some point we have to just convince ourselves, I'm, I'm going to have to go get to know that person. I'm, I'm going to have to cross the street. I'm going to have to get messy. I'm going to have to get involved in their life. And, and listen, I get it, right? You are busy, right? The world's tough enough. You got your own problems. Yeah, but you're probably killing it compared to a lot of people in the world. And as the Bible says that we who have the answer have to be willing to go into those hard places and love people well and to help heal their wounds. And it's going to be costly And so at some point this week, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you on a regular basis, force yourself across the street into a conversation to ask a guy, man, how are you? How are you? Right? I failed miserably this this weekend. Friday, uh, I, I put together the sermon on Thursday. I knew what I was doing. So we were uh, on the way back from a basketball game trying to get Cole to a youth retreat. And I stop in. And I run in to grab. Uh, it's like a gas station slash Wendy's, which I don't know if that counts. I don't know if that's really Wendy's. It, the chicken nuggets tasted like they were cooked in the gasoline. But um, the, the burger was okay. The nuggets were there. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, there I am. And, and, and clearly there's a guy that is homeless. I mean, it's just evident. And here's how awesomely your pastor did. I managed to say, hey, that's a really nice beard. How long have you been growing it? That's about it. It's kind of in a hurry. It's worried about getting somewhere on time. And man, I totally blew it. I totally blew it. 
You know, we got to be better. Got to be better. We got to be better at crossing the street. Okay, lastly, um, we have to make a commitment to love as we have been loved. So final question I would have you ask yourself uh, this morning is this simple one. How has God treated me? How has God treated me? And the follow-up question from that would be, am I treating others like that? (laughs) Right? Am I treating others like that? Am I loving people that are hurt? Am I loving people that are hindered? Am I loving people that are helpless? Right? Am I crossing the street and doing the hard things? Okay. It's quiet. Means we're thinking, right? Thinking. So since we're thinking... I'm going to do this this morning. We're going to have a little moment of prayer. And uh, we kind of kind of did this in the early service. Uh, just going to have this little moment of prayer. And uh, I'm not going to put all the images back up on the screen. I'm not going to make you look at those. Although I think you should think through them this week. But there is this basic question of am I a person that is compassionate towards others? Am I really? Or am I a person that's only compassionate to a select few and the truth is I kind of have contempt for everyone else? They drive me nuts. They frustrate me. Am I speaking people's languages, right? I think they should do better. Is that you? Because a heart that doesn't break for the broken is a heart that's broken. We called, it called, not just commanded. We have this divine opportunity to be Jesus to people. To be Jesus, not Jason, but Jesus to people. And man, I don't know about you, but I blow it so often. Because I fill in the blanks. And I don't take the time to stop. And I rarely ever ask somebody about their story. So this morning, if, if you're just a little bit like me, a lot like me, I'm going to ask you to take a divine moment here and hit time out. And just in the stillness of this moment, that you would kind of open your heart before the Lord and pray. Maybe just pray that prayer, search my heart, oh God. You remember that old song? Just search my heart, oh God. And Lord, if I don't love people like you've loved me, change me. Help me see people the way you see them. Jesus, I want to see crowds the way that you see them. Jesus, I want to see people that have suffered loss the way that you see them. Jesus, I want to see the outcasts of society the way that you see them. And you just begin to pray those prayers. I can't pray that for you, so I'm, I'm just calling you into a spirit of prayer. You just bow your head where you are. and just, just pray those things. Just in this moment, talk to God about your heart. Am I deeply moved, God? by the things that deeply move you? Do I love people, God, the way that you have expressed your love for me? And if the Lord reveals that you're falling short, just say, God, I am sorry. Help me this week to walk this out. All right? Just have that moment.
There's another prayer I'm going to ask you to pray right now. I believe God's going to answer it even in this space. For some of you, it may take later this week. But here's the prayer I want you to pray. God, who in my life needs a touch from you? Right? That's Jesus. He's touching the leper. He's touching the blind man. Who this week do I need to reach out and love, put an arm around? Who, God? Give me a name. Give me a face right now. And then, God, give me the strength to do it. King Jesus, everything that we have is yours. You've structured our lives in such a way that we know who you are. And God, you've called us to go and be your hands and your feet. Lord, part of that, part of this putting on what you've done for us and walking in newness of life is that we would step away from all the selfish ways of the past and that we would learn that people matter. That we would be like hyper committed to loving them well. Never sacrificing the truth, but always loving them well. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. It's real light lifting, right? Walking through Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3. Good stuff. Uh, hey, I want to ask our ushers to come forward this morning. We're going to take up our morning offering. Um, if you're visiting with us, I want you to know that this is not something that we necessarily uh, expect from you. Um, but rather this is something that we expect from our members. And when we join the church, uh, which we have a family coming to do that today, uh, when we join the church, part of our, our kind of a covenant uh, of membership around here is that we will belong to the body, we'll serve the body, we'll pray for the body, but we will also give to the body. The Lord says um, that we're supposed to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and God promises, he says, see if I don't throw open the floodgates of blessing. We have seen some floodgates thrown open around here. And God has been very gracious. I think part of that is because we are being obedient. And so I'm going to ask that that obedience would continue uh, this morning. We're going to ask uh, that uh, the Lord would lead us and that we would give generously. And so if you're a member, uh, you can put a check in the plate. You can open up your phone and, uh, and, and go to the website and click on give. Pretty soon we'll have text to give for you, I think. I think that's coming. Uh, so if you're, walking online, you're watching online, you can go to the give button and, and do that. Um, but we're going to ask that you would just give faithfully as God has given unto you. And so let me pray for us. Father, thank you for loving us. Um, Thank you for your word, which is true and right. God, help us to be people of compassion um, as you've been compassionate unto us. And Lord, um, I just ask this morning that you would take um, what we give and right, what we're giving is in response to what you've given us. Would you take it and multiply it and use it for your uh, kingdom that we might continue to be your hands and feet uh, in Elgin, but also throughout this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.